serve a good God. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we were challenged to be strong, to be courageous, and to be obedient. How many of you were encouraged last week? Raise your hand if you were encouraged by the word last week. I know I got emails. I was so happy. Um, it's always good to know when you bring somebody to speak or someone else is speaking that they are doing something to bless the lives of the people because that's the reason why we ask um, speakers to come and preach, right, to build faith in Christ. And so I'm grateful this morning. Um, I hope you took notes last week. If you don't have an outline, you should raise your hand so that way the ushers can be sure to um, get you an outline. You want to be sure to take some notes and write some stuff down. Pastor Dan Holland, who started the first part of the series last week, is going to continue this week, and I can assure you that you're going and need to take some notes. It's going to be an encouraging time. And so I ask you to put your hands together for Pastor Dan as he comes forth this morning. Good morning, good morning. It's good to see everybody today. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 24. I was excited to be with you last week. It's, it's, it's wonderful to be invited to speak in a place. It's more wonderful to be invited back. It's, it's true. It's, a, it's an honor, and uh, you not only are presenting the Word of God whenever you preach, but you're representing those who are trusting you in proclaiming the Word. Now, I would have those who are watching either as a Facebook Live now, or is that the second one? That's the second one, but I just want you to know that we, uh, I have a great uh, respect for the elders here at the Core Faith Church. And I uh, love Bishop. We've been friends for uh, a long time because we're both getting older. But we have, we're growing in our leadership and we're growing in our understanding and application of God's Word. And so we, um, Core Faith is a Bible-believing church. It is also a worshiping church. Amen? Amen. I, wanted, I would like to say thank you for the, to the worship team. And would you just give another praise for the worship team and the, the one excellent worship that we had today. So in Joshua 24, um, we're coming to the seventh monument. Last week, I said to you that some people come to me and say, well, you know, Joshua is somewhat confusing, and, and I don't really understand Joshua. And I just point out that if you ever, I ask them, have you ever heard of Rahab? And he said, well, yes. I said, that's Joshua. Have you ever heard of Achan? Well, yes, that, that's Joshua. Have you ever heard of the Battle of Jericho? Joshua. Have you ever heard of, of God uh, uh, causing the sun to stand still for a day? That's in the book of Joshua. Joshua is bringing to conclusion promises that God made to his people 500 years before. Today in Joshua, in Joshua 24, we're going to read about a place called Shechem. And Shechem is a place where Abram was in Genesis chapter 12. You always hear about God telling uh, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and through you and your seed, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. The question is, when does that happen? Now, we understand that that is pointing to Jesus Christ. But Joshua 24 is God putting a pen in his promise and saying, I told you I was going to bring you back here. Promise fulfilled. Joshua 24, though, is a shocking chapter to me because um, what we're going to do is I'm going to end up this morning reading the entire chapter to you. This is going to be like story time. We're actually going to be done here relatively quickly because as I was worshiping, I was thinking, that's the point of Joshua 24. The point is, remember who God is. The point is, 
decide that you're choose that you're going to serve God every single day. That choice has been made. You don't have to struggle with that. You're, and choose every day that you're going to serve the Lord and that when the God says a thing, you're going to obey a thing. That means your life comes into alignment with God. Life is so much easier if you just decide you're going to serve God and fear him and just make the decision and let's move on. Amen? It's so hard when our life is out of alignment, when we either are trying to live in a way that we know is right or we don't bother to slow down and read the word of God. This is a powerful chapter, chapter 24. Now, someone asked me yesterday, I was speaking at a men's event, and uh, a man walked up to, to me with one of my books, uh, 70 Seconds, and he said, uh, do I need to read it from, for, from the front cover to the back cover or can I skip around? I, that's the oddest question I've ever been asked. And I said, well, actually, I would read the first two chapters, and then I would look at the index at the monuments, and I would decide which one is God speaking to me about, and I would go to that chapter, and I would read that chapter. And he said, oh, good. He seemed relieved. <laughs> he, he said, oh, good. And I said, or you might start reading it and be asleep in 70 seconds. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, praise God. So in this story, by the time we come to Joshua 24, the conversation in Joshua's life has turned from one of war and battle to a time of peace. Now, Joshua knows there are still many, many armies to, to, to battle. There are, still, there are still many wars to fight, many battles. But he knows that the greatest enemy is going to come from within God's people. He knows that regardless of what happens in the world around the Israelites, God's chosen people, or the Old Testament people, that what was going to dictate how they lived was the choices they made within. And the same is true for us. We can talk about culture. We can say, well, this is wrong with culture, and can you believe culture is going that way? And did you read it on Facebook, and did you see it on Instagram, and did you see what so-and-so tweeted? But see, none of that matters if you've realized that you have decided internally that you're going to fear God and serve him only. This is very important. Because God has given us the power, the ability to choose. Now, one of the things I'm going to do right out of the bat, we're going to start out reading from Joshua 24, verse 1. And what I notice is that, that Joshua is going to mention the name of the Lord in 13 verses more than 20 times. And the reason he's going to talk about the Lord in such so, so pointedly is because he's reminding Israel that for all the battles they fought and for all the work they did and for all the years they lived in the wilderness, it was the Lord that has done all of this for him. When you go to think about your own history, you, you say, well, I did this and I went there and I got that degree and I, and I earned that amount of money. And, I, and then you slow down and you mature in your faith and you realize maybe it's not so much I as it is he. So listen, uh, read along with me if you would. Joshua 24, verse 1. He's going to start by talking about the past, history. And then he's going to make a call to commitment, but we're going to just read the first 13 verses. And then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. And when I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the, and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them, and he covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians, and then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. And when Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. And then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and some have said the Mosquito Bites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. I don't know how that strikes you. But there's a part of me that if I were a part of Israel, I might, if I were Joshua, I might say, you know, hold on just a minute here. You know, I, I put up with a lot of grief from these people to serve you. So I need a little credit here. I mean, I know that you did it, God, but I need a little bit of credit. And I put up with that, that wife for so long because you told me to. Or that husband. Or I endured the job. Or I endured the persecution. And I need a little bit of credit here. And it might be true. We work hard. We serve hard. We sweat. And we commit ourselves to serving God. But in the end, it is not what we have done. We have only been faithful to what God has called us to. It's what God has done. I saw the most interesting and beautiful thing. Um, I don't know, it was a few months back. I was, I was sitting at Chick-fil-A and I was eating lunch. I was minding my own business. I normally don't eat by myself. I'd rather not eat than eat by myself. And so, I, But I was there eating by myself and I'm a people watcher. I saw this little boy. He might have been, I don't know, three or four years old, but he was about this tall, very obedient to his father. And he was excited about the playground. And when it was time to eat, his father called him. He said, yes, he comes over and he, had, he ate and he just, had, just sat there like a big boy. And when he finished his meal, he, I had noticed he had asked his father permission to go back onto the playground, which has one of these big doors that you open, you know. And so um, he, his father said yes. And so whenever he, the, the boy, 
boy jumped up from the table, the father started to stand up. And this little boy, he's about this big, stood over to the side and held his hand up. And he said, he said to his father, because I, I wrote this down. He said, stay right there. Don't move. I can do this. And now not only am I watching, but there are, there are other uh, engineers and other people in the sitting there obviously having lunch on, on their lunch break. And now they're watching this because it's the cutest scene un unrolling. And so, and, and the little boy walked, toward, he walked towards the door. He was telling his father, I can let myself into the playground. I can, I can get in there. And the father said, oh, he said, well, you might need a little, you might need my help. Uh, he said, no, I got this, dad. I can do this. He was, he spoke just like I'm speaking. I can do this. And he holds his little hand up to his dad I can do this his father all along understanding that his son wants to feel like he's done it by himself that he's growing up and he's growing into this new this new life of four years old or however old he is his father I noticed got up and his son every time his son was turning around his father would walk a little closer to his son he goes I, I can do this dad <laughs> until he got around to the door and he grabbed the handle, <coughs> excuse me, and as he pulled on the door, he's, he's so focused on what he can do that he doesn't realize his father has grabbed the top of the door. <laughs> and he's pulling with all of his might, and his father is letting him. He's letting him exert every ounce of strength he has to give. And little by little, the father helps with the door. Until the little guy, it literally happens this way, and I thought it was brilliant on the part of the father. Until the door was just open enough for the little boy to get in, and he grabs it, and the little boy, the father, never swings the door open all the way. He just holds the door so the door won't crush his son. And the son grabbed the door, and he's pulling the door this way, and, and now everyone in the restaurant is fixated on what's happening. And the little boy, with all of his might, is holding the door. And as he holds the door, he is pushing himself in between the door. He thinks, he thinks he's letting himself in the playground. He thinks he's getting himself to a better place. He thinks he's the one who is getting what he wants. He can do this. But all the while, what we know from our perspective is his father is holding the door. And as he's pulling the door and moving through the door, I thought this was so brilliant. The father allows the door to close a little bit and the boy freezes for just a moment. And he, he leans on the door frame and he pushes the door away. And finally, he steps in and the father lets go of the door. And the boy believes to this day, I tell you, I did it myself. I tell you this story because I sat there watching from my perspective. And I imagine from the little boy's perspective. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for the, one of the best illustrations I've ever had of you at work in my life. I've been blessed because God has used me to preach all over the world. Russia and Kazakhstan and England and uh, Honduras and many places I go, I preach through translators. And God has used me to, to build the church. 
and to encourage pastors and to encourage leaders in the church and elders. But it's not me. There are so, there's so many times where I feel like I'm holding the door and I'm getting myself to where I want to be. And I'm, I'm, I, I, can, I can do this, God. I, I, stay there. I can do this. And God holds the door because he knows. But now I have a perspective. And this is my perspective now. It's not me at all. It's our Father in heaven through the power of his Holy Spirit who is changing you and leading you and, and beckoning you to follow me, not me, Jesus Christ. Choose to follow, but we start in history. History says, Joshua said, in history, history is God did this, and God did that, and God did another thing, and, and then, and then I, I kept my word and gave Abraham a son and gave Isaac sons, and, I, and they chose this, and they ended up in Egypt, and I said I would deliver them. I said that was going to happen, but I said I was going to deliver them, and I did, and, and, and I'm true to my word. It's what I've done. And now I'm okay with knowing that God... God opened the door for me. I'm also okay with the fact that he let me struggle. Because God disciplines those he loves. You endure hardship as discipline. God disciplines those he's lo he loves. One of the first things I want you to write down today is this. Choose to point to God. Choose to point to God, not in an overly weird spiritual way. Oh, praise God. Oh, well, yeah, God. Oh, yeah, God. No, 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 no. Follow God. Give him all your heart. Make the decisions you make about business and home and, and, and marriage and, and finances. Make it about God and choose to point to God. And the second thing I would tell you is, Choose to review the past, but don't live in it. Choose to live in the past, but don't live in it. It's so healthy to go back and review the past. Some of you know that I was in West Texas for about eight months last year. I, there was a, while I was in West Texas, there was a, an elder at, the, uh, at a Bible church that contacted me because we have a mutual friend in Atlanta. It's a long, strange, weird story. It's a God story. But I just received an email from him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know what? I'm still overwhelmed with wondering, why did God bring you here for such a short? time. Now, I wasn't serving at his church. He called me because he said a friend of our, mutual friend of ours in Atlanta, Georgia, called and said, you mean Dan Holland's in You should call him. He could help your, your congregation. So I met with he and his executive pastor and others there, and we had conversation. But he, his question to me in his email was this, and this is on reviewing the past but not living in it. He said, I still wonder what have been the insights that you have gained from why God brought you here and then led you away from here so quickly. Now, 
That's not a part of this lesson, so I don't need to go into all that. But it's caused me to consider, review the past, but don't live in the past. Remember what God saved you from. Don't live in shame. Remember some of the successes you had, but don't hold them up as though that makes you valuable. Review your past. Don't live in your past. It's just like driving down I-4, which is taking your life into your own hands. And, and, and I, you're constantly, I'm constantly reviewing my mirrors. Why? Because I'm going to need to be changing a few lanes here in just a minute. And I never know how, which lane is shifted where on one day or another. Amen? Hey, I-4 is exciting. It's exciting. I strap myself in. I put my helmet on. have my gloves on, my racing gloves. And I'm like, come on, Jesus, let's go. But I'm reviewing my mirrors. But you cannot drive forward looking in your rearview mirrors. Does it matter what's behind you? Does it matter what's behind you? Yes. But it matters more what's in front of you. Review your past. Don't live in it. You know, every single one of us, I, I'm always intrigued by that thought that Jesus Christ came, he, he'll leave the 99 sheep that are safe in a pen, and then he will go after the one. I'm humbled to know that I was the one at one time. And I'm okay with having a church that makes room for the one. Because there's not one of us who wasn't the one that God went after. And the minute we think we're all that, God will let go of the door. Am I right? Am I right? Oh, I'm all that. Okay. <laughs> and then he'll, he'll deliver us. <laughs> he'll deliver us and let us go on in. All right. So what happens here in Joshua 24 is now Joshua is ready to call him to commitment. Joshua 24 and verse 14. This is the passage 14 and 15 that you're all familiar with. Now he says, we've just reviewed the past. Now, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day or today whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I would say to you this, write these two words down, choose today. You may be interested to know that there is only one day of creation, the seven days of creation that has never ended. Do you know which one that is? In each day, there was morning and there was night the first day. And there was morning and night the second. And it goes on and on until the seventh day when God rested. And when you go to the book of Hebrews, it connects the story of Joshua and the story of creation. And he says, God entered his rest and that has never ended. Therefore, as long as it is called today, you can enter into his rest. 
want you to get your mind around this. God's done all the work. It's today. Choose today. Because when today is over and he returns, it's no longer today. It's today. And tomorrow will be today again. And, and Friday next week will be today again. Choose today. God has given you the ability to choose. Amen? Let's talk about the power of choice for a moment. I like to think about choice that God has given us as a responsibility, but I call it responsibility. I turn it into two words. We have the, God has given us the ability to respond. He has given us a response ability. We have not only the responsibility, but responsibility within us to choose to follow God. We see it all through Scripture. It started in, in Deuteronomy where Moses said, choose life or choose death, but, but choose and be very certain that when you make your choice, God will bring the consequences. We can make whatever choice we want in life. We're all big about that now in our particular, in, in our given culture, but we do not get to choose the consequences. Choose what you will, but consequences are inexorably linked to choice. Make sense? When you see the Joseph in the, while he was in prison, he chose to give praise to God and to honor God. When you see Daniel hanging out uh, in Babylon as a prisoner of war and him in the lion's den, he chose. John chose to worship on the Isle of Patmos. God's given us the ability to choose. Stephen hoped in the Lord while he was being stoned. The point is that no oppression, nothing in our life can hold a man down from praising God or the attitude of grace that we can access in Christ. Praising God does not depend on our circumstances being praiseworthy. It is not circumstances that are praiseworthy. It is God. And when he says here, I want you to choose to fear God and to serve him only, he's telling them, you have the ability to choose. Choose wisely. Based on what the Lord has done, choose. Based on what the Lord has done, fear him and serve him only. Why? Because you can only serve. You, you cannot serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. And then he talks about throwing away the idols. Does that surprise anyone else? He says you can choose to serve the Lord or you can choose not to serve the Lord. But so what you end up with here is Joshua chapter 24. Let's, let's continue reading verse uh, 24, verse 16. And then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. In other words, they're almost insulted that, they would, that he would say, you need to make a choice who you're going to serve. Let me stop for just a minute. When I first started studying the, the book of Joshua, this shocked me because now not only have they been disciplined in the wilderness for 40 years, not only have they been fighting seven years of war, but this could have been upwards of 15 or 20 years in the promised land. And, and still he is saying, you need to choose to, whether it's going to be the idols, the gods your father served way back to Abraham and his father Terah, or the, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living, or the Lord. But each one of you needs to choose. I was surprised. 
And they're almost insulted by it. They're like, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Verse 17, it was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery. And he performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out us before us, all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. So we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Now, the first time you read this, that's exciting. That's exciting because the people choose very quickly. Yes. And there's a part of me that says, yes, of course they chose the Lord. Of course, because they, they get it. But Joshua knows the heart of the people. Now, the story of Joshua begins with a commission, but right now he's making a covenant with these people. I want to continue reading in chapter 24, verse 19. Listen to how Joshua responds to the people. You're not able to serve the Lord. This is like making a call to salvation, saying, hey, does anyone want to put their faith in Jesus Christ? And having someone raise their hand and saying, ma'am, you're not able to serve the Lord. I want you to think about this. Joshua says, you're not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. You say, well, I don't like the idea of, of God being jealous. Do you like the, men, do you like the idea of a jealous wife? Try getting along real well with other ladies and see if your wife doesn't have a few things to say about that. He says, God is a jealous God. <clears throat> He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, oh no, we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua said, okay, you're witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. And now then Joshua said, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. I don't even believe this. Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Write these phrases down. Number one, choose to hold fast to the Lord. To hold fast to the Lord, you can only hold one thing in your hand at a time. You got to let go of everything else. And Joshua is saying, you got to let go of all these foreign idols. You got to get rid of them. You literally need to throw them away. Second thing I want you to write down is choose to throw away idols. Don't keep them around for a rainy day. Throw away all allegiances except for the allegiance to Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Now, I've, it's so interesting the way. Joshua deals with these people because he actually stops them and sits them down and says, no, you need to understand what you're committing to here. You, I need you to get your mind around this. You know, sometimes I'm so eager for people to come to faith that I forget to tell them about counting the costs. You need to know that following Jesus is not going to be exciting all the time. You need to know that life is not always going to be exactly what you imagine life should be. You need to know that sometimes you're going to pray and feel like sense that God is not listening. 
You need to understand that just because you pray and just because you read the word and just because you worship, everything in your life is not going to suddenly, suddenly have wonderful grand music playing in the background. You need to know this. You need to know that sometimes, and I think it'd be great if life actually had music in the background. Isn't that, isn't that helpful in, in, in movies? You kind of know, uh-oh, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. Wouldn't it be nice if life had music? And so as I'm driving down the road nicely on Interstate 4, I'm driving down the road, suddenly you're like, dun-dun-dun-dun. Mm. <clears throat> or... You feel a little fear in your heart, and suddenly you hear some nice, soft music playing. You're like, oh, that's nice. And then you hear violin music, and you know someone's about to die. So, but, so, but Joshua says, he, he, he's, he's trying to tell them, you don't understand the seriousness of this. You're saying you're going to follow the Lord because everybody around you is. You're saying you're going to follow the Lord because God has so richly blessed you. You're saying you need to understand this is a commitment from now until forever. It's almost like I thought, where have I been where they were so clear about the terms? Buying a house. Anyone ever close on a house? You go to the closing, what do they do? They bring in a stack of papers. Poof. They say, now, we're going to sign these one at a time. And they begin to walk you through. Put it over here. They, they explain this document. And you don't even know what they're saying. And you're, you, all you know is the bank is getting real clear. Uh, this ain't free. You are paying this back. We will hunt you down. We will extract our money. We'll sell your children. We will get our money back. And we're just like, oh, we're so happy about this. And we're just saying, like, no, no, you need to. And occasionally she'll say, it's not about the house. They'll say, well, no, now if a lawsuit is brought, you need to sign this one. And then if they're in the unions, I'm like, whoa, what in the world is going on here? But they're very careful. We need you to know what you're signing. And you'll sign stuff you haven't even read. That's when we need music in life. <laughs> That's when we need some, we need to hear God saying, uh, duh, duh, no, no. I surrender all to the bank. I, we need music. So what happens is Joshua slows him down and he says, you're not able to serve the Lord. God's a jealous God. He's not going to put up with what he's been putting up with. There is a price to pay. There is a time in your life where you're going to have to decide between serving God or serving the allegiance to any other allegiance you have. By God's power, I hope you choose to serve him. That's what's up here. That's what's going on. And then he says in verse 25, on that day Joshua made, and this is where the seventh monument comes into play. On that day Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, <clears throat> Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And then he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. This is where Abraham was 
500 years before. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. Pause for just a minute. There are seven monuments. The first five monuments are witnesses to us. The, the sixth monument is a witness between us. It's about pursuing peace. The seventh monument, it's a witness against us. There's a witness against me in Winslow, Arizona. It's where I made a profession of faith in Christ. You know, standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, such a fine sight to see. Yeah, it, it, no. I mean, the, the Eagles wrote the song, but they must have been blind. But I, but I made a commitment to the Lord there in a little rock church that's a beautiful church. And I was baptized into Christ there. And my, I, my spiritual formation was there in that place. And if I'm ever unfaithful to God, he won't need to call my father or my mother or my brother or my sisters. He only needs to go to this building and say, tell me what commitment was made. Tell me what he said, and the rocks will cry out. He took a rock, and he said, to, took this stone, and he said, this is going to be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. And then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. I like... That in the end, Joshua knew that some battles were fought, not fought with swords or spears or hailstorms or falling walls. The battles within are fought by holding fast to the Lord our God. Amen. It's interesting that this monument, to me, it's interesting because it's only one stone. That's it. It's not really all that impressive or imposing. For me, it symbolizes that faith in God is decided one person at a time. This is true even for those who grew up in a family of faith or who grew up in church where faith was prominently on display. Each member of the family has to carve out his or her own faith. And I don't mean making up another faith. I'm talking about how do I understand God and God's involvement in my life. Each person in each generation asks, based on God's promises and his faithfulness, Will I follow him? Often, it is the battle that rages within us rather than any external enemy that keeps us from living the promised life that God has called us to. This chapter, chapter 24, like our mentors, Joshua's final speech is designed to help you to win the battle that is within. And it starts with making a decision to follow God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are honored. We're humbled that we get to serve you and we get to follow you, that we've been saved by you. But Father, I know that the battle rages within the heart of your people. I know that we struggle to sometimes to even sense your presence. We struggle to, to trust you. We struggle to just obey the very simplest things that you've called us to. But it's in that struggle, Father, that we realize when we look up that you, you're holding the door. You're never leaving us alone. Even when we demand, leave us alone. I can do this all by myself. You're a God who, who smiles because you know. Father, I pray that you will use every man, woman, and child in this place. 
I pray, Father, you will help us to have the confidence that we can go forth and do what you've called us to do, but not without you. I pray, Father, that you will allow us to, to struggle as much as you see necessary for us to struggle. But, Father, I'm asking you, hold the door. Hold on to the door and help us get where you need us to go. Father, we enjoy the life you have given us. We love living in forgiveness and grace and mercy. We're excited to see how you have worked through this congregation, Core Faith, and I'm just excited to see where you are leading. I pray, Father, for Bishop and his wife and family. I pray for the elders here. I pray for the men and women who serve diligently and in so many ways in this place. Father, will you fill them with your Holy Spirit? Will you live in them and through them in every way? And I pray, Father, that in all things you will be glorified. And Father, when everything is all said and done, I pray that we will point people to you because it is not what we have done. It is no praise that we desire nor should receive, but that you would receive all the praise. I'm humbled to think that Rahab was a, follow, was a follower of you because of Joshua, and yet her name was written in the book of, uh, of uh, the, the chapter of Hebrews 11, but Joshua's name wasn't. But his name was in the book of life, and that was enough. He was faithful to you, and that's enough. He was strong, and he was courageous, and he was obedient. I pray the same for us today. Help us to live in a way that is strong. Help us to be courageous and not be afraid. And may we be obedient to you in the small things and in the big things. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and together we say, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you all. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Good stuff, amen.